going to speak about uh, a topic that I probably wouldn't normally speak about, but uh, I, I prayed a lot about it, and, um, and you know, usually when, I, when I'm going to speak, it's always kind of a toss-up between two things that God puts on my heart, and this time it was just, it was this, and uh, I think it's, a, it's about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit can work in our lives, and um, I don't usually have dreams about before I speak, but I had a, I had a dream last night, and uh, in the dream, someone, someone spoke to me, and it just kind of reaffirmed um, the topic of the Holy Spirit. But also, in the dream, when I, when I um, grabbed the, uh, the speaking stand, there was a clock on it, and inside of the clock, there was a watch. And so, um, I was like, I, I guess God really wants me to kind of make sure I keep it on, t- on track this morning. <laughs> so, I don't usually watch the time. I usually just uh, go, and when I end, I end. Um, but... The whole topic of the Holy Spirit, I think, is, is super important for each of us. And I think that as believers in Jesus Christ, Christ told us that he would send the Holy Spirit to live in each one of us, to guide us and to comfort us and to teach us. And the Holy Spirit uh, does that on an ongoing basis. And even as I was, as I was uh, preparing to speak, I thought I was ready to go this morning. And one of the ways I believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to us is through other believers. And I don't usually let um, Krista, I don't usually share my sermons with her before I speak, I, I speak them, but it was laying on the counter this morning, and she started to read it. And there was a part of it, and she said, you know what? You really shouldn't be saying that. And so I had to, I was a little late this morning because I was uh, editing on the run. So uh, let me just pray uh, before we get going. Lord, we thank you so much for your presence here among us. We thank you that as your children, you have promised the Holy Spirit to be with us, not just to be with us, but to be in us, to teach us, to guide us, to comfort us, to advocate for us. And I pray this morning that uh, as we hear from your word, that your Holy Spirit would just make it abundantly clear what it is that we're to take away, how our lives might be changed. And as we do that, I, I trust that we'll become more like you, because it's in your name we pray. Amen. So when I was, when I was in college, I, uh, I met this girl who I was really into. I really dug this girl. Now, some of you probably, well, none of you would know me well enough to know how I was during my younger years and when I was dating, but I, let, me, let me suffice it to say that I was a very slow mover. <laughs> I know I'm probably shocking. I probably come across as a Casanova, but uh, if, if, I'll tell you, if I liked a girl, I, I could spend tons of time with her, but it's unlikely that she would ever know, even have a clue, that I was really into her. And so this girl and I, we spent the better part of, uh, of a full school year together, hanging out, spending time together. We spent actually a lot of time together, um, and I'm I'm pretty sure it wasn't until the very end of the year that, uh, well, actually, she, she kind of gave me an ultimatum and said, <laughs> you know what, we, we either need to start dating or else, you know, you're just kind of, let, let me know what's up. Um, but we spent this whole year uh, together hanging out, and oftentimes it, was, it wasn't just the two of us, it was always with other friends and stuff. Um, and this is what a typical evening would look like. We'd, we'd probably, we'd finish dinner, and we'd go and we'd hang out in the student lounge for a couple of hours, and then... Uh, usually we'd, we'd get out a game, a board game or a card game, and we'd play cards for a couple of hours. And then at 1 o'clock in the morning, we'd go up to the TV lounge, and we would watch The Fall Guy. You guys remember The Fall Guy? 
Lee Majors, Heather Thomas. The Fall Guy was, um, in, the, in the show, the Fall Guy was a stuntman, but he doubled in the evening as a bounty hunter. That was, uh, that was Lee Majors. It was, uh, I'm not sure why we watched The Fall Guy in particular, but it quickly became kind of a tradition for us that we'd go and we'd watch The Fall Guy. And I always, uh, the lounge, the TV lounge was set up kind of like it had a, a couple of couches, had a couple of love seats, it had a couple of single chairs. And depending on the evening, we might be sitting next to a friend, we might be sitting next to each other. But I'll tell you what, I cherished the times when we got to sit next to each other. It was probably never in a love seat because that would be a little too obvious. But sometimes we'd sit beside each other on the couch. And uh, on those nights when we sat beside each other on the couch, she'd be sitting right next to me. And I'll tell you what, I could not tell you what was the theme of, uh, of the fall guy that evening. That night, my whole focus and my whole concentration was on the space that separated us. And sometimes, you know, we might, I, I try to nuzzle a little closer and not be too obvious, so there was always a little space. There was always probably about two centimeters between us. And on those nights, that two centimeters was the focus of my entire being. It was the focus of my energy. It didn't matter what was on. All that mattered is that she was right next to me. And I'll tell you what, for the rest of the show, my world was on fire, on fire. My whole universe focused right there. Now, why is it that almost, almost 20 years later, this stands out to me so vividly? How in the world have those experiences made such an electrifying impact on my life? If, if that girl could do that to those two centimeters between us, what would what would it be like if I lived with a moment-by-moment awareness of the close proximity of the Holy Spirit in my life? What impact would that have on my life? I wonder sometimes if something happens in our relationship with God, in our, our relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, at first when we start out on our, on our journey and uh, we seem to be really keenly aware of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. We're really keenly aware that He's right there with us. And, and then after a while, um, I don't know about you, but I know for me, it seems to fade a little bit at times. And then I have those mountaintop experiences where I'm, again, made really acutely, keenly aware of the Holy Spirit's presence with me. And that'll last with me for a little while. And then after a short, after a short period of time, it starts to fade a little bit. And I, and I fear sometimes that oftentimes the, the longer that I walk with him, sometimes there's this sense of familiarity that creeps in. This sense that um, I lose that sense of, wow, the creator of the universe, the savior of my soul, the person that has, has worked miraculous, spectacular miracles actually lives within me moment by moment and day by day. And so, so this morning I want us to reflect on what it means to, uh, to do life together with the Holy Spirit. And I want to look at a couple of passages from the book of John. If you brought your Bible along with you, it's John. Uh, I'm going to look at John 14, um, 
25 to 27, then we're going to flip over a couple of pages to John uh, chapter 16. So John 14, 25 says, All this I have spoken while still with you. But, if, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I, live with, I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then flip over a few pages to John chapter 16, where again, Jesus is, this was Jesus teaching to his, to his disciples. And again, he's, he's talking to his disciples in John 16, verse 7. And we'll read a few verses there. But, but very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear now, now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is, that is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So, uh, oftentimes I think of my, when I think of my walk with Jesus, I, I think to myself, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice if I could still have Jesus right here with me, if he could be walking with me, side by side with me every day? Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? If I had the same experience as the disciples had 2,000 years ago. I mean, they spent three and a half years walking with Jesus. Three and a half years sitting at his feet, learning from him. Three and a half years watching him as he performed miracles and seeing the amazing things that he did. Three and a half years just hanging out with him and absorbing uh, what it meant for love to be incarnated in the world. Three and a half years seeing love in action. And, And those three and a half years then empowered them to go out and to live the rest of their lives day by day passionately following him and doing what he had commanded them to do. And so I think to myself, if, if only I had had that kind of experience, how much better of a Christ follower would I be? And then I, and then I, you know, I kind of continue on in that, in that mind frame, and I think, man, the disciples, they, they really didn't seem to get it. There was, uh, there was Peter where he, um, you know, when Jesus was being taken captive in the garden, he, he didn't get that Jesus wasn't there to be a military ruler. And he grabbed a sword and he cut off a, a soldier's ear. And I think, man, he didn't get it. And then, and then later he went on to deny Jesus three times after spending all this time with him. And Jesus telling him he was going to be the rock that he would build the church on. And, you know, he denied Jesus. I think, what would I do if I had spent three and a half years with Jesus? And then I think of James and John. And up until the very end, they would bitterly argue about who would sit at Jesus' right hands. And, they, and I think, you know, they didn't get it. They had three and a half years with them, and they didn't get it. I wish I could have been there for three and a half years with Jesus and just 
walked with him and sat at his feet and soaked it all in. And, I, you know, I wonder, would I, would I be better, any better or any worse than the disciples were? And then I stop and I think, you know what? Get real, Mark. If, if, I, if, if I can't get it right now, what makes me think that because I was walking with Jesus side by side with him, I could get it right? When Jesus said... Jesus actually said some remarkable things about the Holy Spirit. He said that he would send one to us who would allow us to be able to do greater things than he did. He said he would send one to us that would be the comforter and the guide and the advocate. And and so how can I think that if I can't do it with the Holy Spirit with me now, inside of me, changing who I am, what makes me think that I'd be able to do it because Jesus was walking beside me? So Jesus said some, some amazing things about the Holy Spirit, and I want to look at just a couple of them from those passages. He said that unless he left the world, the Holy Spirit could not come. His disciples saw his leaving kind of as bad news. When they heard the message, when Jesus told them that, was, that he was going to leave, they were really kind of distressed about that, 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 uh, that he was going to leave them. They had no idea what they were going to do once he was gone, how they were going to continue on. They were still actually having a pretty difficult time, I think, grasping the fact that, that Jesus hadn't come to be the military ruler that would overthrow the Roman Empire and restore the nation of Israel to its rightful place. They were still struggling with that. They were thinking, yeah, when are we going to take up arms and, and you know, conquer the Roman Empire? And Jesus was saying, you know, just hold on a bit, guys. That's not really what I came for. And so for them to imagine that Jesus was going to leave them must have been a devastating blow. And I, and I think sometimes that we can get into the mindset of how much better would it be if we could still have Jesus here with us in the flesh, performing miracles, teaching us, leading us in exactly the way we should go. But Jesus actually said, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. It's not for your good that I stay here. It's for your good that I go away. And unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Unless Jesus left, the advocate couldn't come. And that's pretty amazing because if you think of the, of the ministry of Jesus, he was with his disciples. He had an amazing impact on those 12 guys. He was with a larger group of followers, and he had a significant impact on them. But then he would travel around the countryside and he would stop day by day in different places and he would teach and he would do miracles and he would have an impact for a day or two. And I'm sure that stuck with those people, but then he would go on. It wasn't like he was with all of his followers and all the people that believed in him day by day being able to encourage them and comfort them and teach them. It was often for just very short periods of time. And so he left so that we could all have that same presence with us day by day, minute by minute ongoing teaching, ongoing comfort, ongoing reminding of the things that Jesus taught us and who he taught us to be. Jesus also said something not long before he told his disciples, or he told his disciples that he was leaving that's, that's very interesting. He said, whoever believes in me will do the same works that I have done, and even greater works than these, because, big because there, because I'm going to the Father. Essentially, these verses, uh, in these verses, Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm going back to be with my Father, but don't worry. Don't worry. I won't be here with you any longer, but I'm going to send one who will guide you, 
who will comfort you, who will advocate with you. And he'll do more than that. He'll continue to teach you. I've taught you everything I can. There's not much more I can teach you because it's not going to sink in. But the Holy Spirit will continue to teach you. He'll continue to bring to your memory the things that I've taught you and the way that you should be living your lives. He'll guide you and comfort you, encourage you, direct you. And actually, when I send the Holy Spirit to you, you'll be able to do the same things that I've been doing. Actually, even greater things than that. But you can't do that until I leave and go and then send the comforter back to you. So basically, he was saying to his disciples, buck up. Isn't that amazing that he was going to send one that would, that would give us the ability through the Holy Spirit to do amazing works? And so to answer my question, wouldn't it be amazing to have, to have Jesus walking with me? Sure. It might be nice if Jesus were still here, but I can guarantee you that I wouldn't be the follower of Christ that I am today if Jesus were here still on earth. I can guarantee you that none of us here would be able to be the same followers of Christ if Jesus were still on earth today because we wouldn't have the Spirit with us to guide us and direct us. And Christ, unfortunately, wasn't able to be everywhere and everything to everyone all the time. Do you see the the difference there? The difference is that when Christ was on earth with his disciples, he was with them. When the Holy Spirit came, he was in them. When Christ was on earth, he was able to minister to a set group of people for a set period of time. When the Holy Spirit came, he ministers to all believers to the end of the age. There's a huge difference. And so we're so privileged to be able to have the Holy Spirit with us. So throughout the history of God's people, God would, uh, he would occasionally reveal himself to certain people, or the Holy Spirit would occasionally dwell on certain people for periods of time. He would dwell on, on, the, on the priests, or he would dwell, dwell on the prophets, or he would dwell on authors of the Scriptures so that they could write down the Word of God for the rest of us to have. But it was only the Holy Spirit dwelling on certain people for certain periods of time. When Christ left, he allowed the Holy Spirit to dwell within each one of us. And Christ actually promised, what Christ promised was um, to send the Holy Spirit to dwell with each of us. And it was a recounting of a, of a prophecy that was made by the prophet Joel hundreds of years beforehand. And this is what he said. He said, then after doing all those things, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. There was no distinction on who the Holy Spirit would come and dwell in. So why, why is it that, uh, that Jesus would need to do this? Why after thousands of years would God choose to change uh, how he revealed himself to people from resting with a single person for a single purpose to indwelling all believers. John 14, 26 says that the Holy Spirit would be sent to teach you all things. I don't know if you ever noticed, but uh, when Jesus was teaching, he'd teach to a group of people typically, and the, and the disciples would be right there with him, and uh, 
inevitably, almost after every time Jesus taught them, the, the disciples come up afterwards and say, hey, Jesus, what did you mean? I didn't really get what you were saying. Or Jesus would have to come to them afterwards and say, you know what? I said this, and this is what I meant. And so we're kind of left with the notion that Jesus' teachings may not have always been the easiest thing to grasp. And we're left with the notion that Jesus' teachings, sometimes while they were very straightforward, were much more in-depth. And there was much more meaning behind what he was saying than always came across on the surface. And so Jesus said that he would send the Holy Spirit to continue to teach us all things. So not only did the disciples not always get the full meaning of Jesus' teaching, Jesus also told them in John 16, 20, if you look at that, he, he told them that there were many more things that he had to teach them. He was with them for three and a half years, but there were so many things that he wanted to teach them before he had to leave that he wasn't able to teach them all things. And so he said that he would leave the Holy Spirit to continue to teach them. And so Christ not only sent the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to guide us, to work through us, but also to continue to teach us how to be followers of Jesus Christ, to continue to teach us to be the people that God created us to be. Christ acknowledged that despite the fact that he'd been there with them, there were still things that even his disciples needed to know. And he left that very important task to the Holy Spirit. Later on, actually, the Apostle Paul says something similar to that in, uh, in, when, he's, when he's writing a letter to the, the church in Ephesus. He writes, and he's explaining the reason why he writes, and then he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And so Paul's hinting there that while he's taught the churches so many things, and while Christ has come and revealed so many things, there are still things that he's praying to the Holy Spirit to, to continue to reveal to the church, that he would continue to give them wisdom and continue to give them revelation. So there were things that neither Jesus nor the Apostle Paul could teach Christ's early followers. So Paul informed them that he would continue to pray for them, that the Holy Spirit would continue to guide them, continue to give them wisdom, continue to give them revelation. And so we see that the Holy Spirit doesn't only counsel us and doesn't only empower us and doesn't only dwell within us, but continues to be at work within us as the teacher, as the revealer of truth, dwelling in Christ's disciples and continuing to dwell in us and to teach us from within. There's probably a few more things that, uh, that I could say, but I'm, in light of time, I'll just kind of skim over a couple. So uh, Christ said that when he sent the Holy Spirit, that he would prove to the world to be in wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. If we didn't have the Holy Spirit, we would have no way to know necessarily that we were living in sin. The Holy Spirit convicts each of us about our lives and about the way that we live our lives and continues to do that. But if it weren't for the Holy Spirit, then we would all come under judgment without knowing necessarily the things that we had done wrong. And so Christ said that he would send the Spirit to convict us because 
because we didn't necessarily know about our sin. Um, so he would send us the Spirit of Truth. He said he would, he would send the Holy Spirit to give us peace and, uh, and to teach us, continue to teach us and to guide us. Um, so there, there's a few more things there about the Spirit, and I would encourage you to continue to look into those verses, but I kind of want to uh, change gears a little bit and, uh, and talk about how we can actually experience the Spirit and walk with the Spirit. So how does God talk to us? I think He, he kind of talks to us in many ways. He talked to me this morning uh, through my wife, a fellow believer, and he, he does that, I believe, to each of us. He'll use fellow believers to speak into our lives. He speaks to us through His Word, he gave us his word as, a source, as the source of truth and a, a, so that we can learn about him and so that it can instruct us and guide our lives. He, uh, sometimes he speaks to us through the small, still voice. We sang about it this morning that, that, that uh, God speaks to us. Uh, and sometimes he does that. Sometimes he'll speak to us through nature. And we look out and we say, look at the amazing things that God has done, the creator of the universe. Look at all the amazing things that he has made. But the one way that I want us to, uh, to focus on this morning is that he speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. Uh, Philippians 2.13, if you want to flip there, I'm going to actually read it in a number of different translations, but uh, it, it says this, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. In another translation, it says, Not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to work, will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Another version says, God is the one who enables you both to want and to actually live out his good purposes. Another version says, God is always at work in you, to willing you uh, and able to obey his purpose. And finally, God is working in you to help you want to do and be able to do what pleases him. So all of these translations kind of hint at the fact that not only does God work within us to give us the power and the ability to do his good will, but even before that, even before he gives us the ability, he works within us to give us the want to, to give us the desire, the want to do His will. His Spirit works within us to speak to our will so that we'll have an impulse. Sometimes it's just an impulse to move in a certain direction. Sometimes it's a, a prodding to do a certain thing or to not do a certain thing. I don't believe His, his will, when his, his will communicates with ours, that it takes over our own will or it forces us to do something, because then we're not being transformed, we're being taken over by him. And the Bible doesn't tell us that that's how God works. It tells us that he speaks to us and prods us and guides us. But his spirit speaks to us and gives us a desire to want or to act in a certain way. It nudges us. Hey, why don't you go over there and do that? It gives us a want to, a want to do certain things. And so what does the spirit sound like when it's giving us these desires or these wants, want tos. James 3.17 says, but the wisdom from above, first of all, is pure. So we know it's pure. It's also peace-loving. It's gentle all, at all times and willing to yield to others. It's not stubborn. It's full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism 
and is always sincere. So that gives us a sense of when God's prodding us, when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. If we're not experiencing things that kind of lead us in those directions towards peace and purity and gentleness and not being stubborn, then we've got a question, is that really the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Galatians 5, 23 tells us a little bit of what it'll look like when the Holy Spirit lives out in our lives or when we live the Holy Spirit out. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And so those, those verses give us kind of a sense of how it is that the Spirit will guide us and the kinds of things that He'll nudge us towards and the kinds of things that, that uh, when He's speaking to us, we should be hearing Him uh, speaking into our lives. And so those are the kinds of things that the Spirit will say. There are other ways that we can know and we can get a sense of how the Spirit will speak to us. Having an awareness of what the Bible tells us about God gives us a bit of an inside track on, uh, on the types of things that the Holy Spirit might be telling us. For instance, the Bible tells us that God wants everyone to be saved. And the Bible tells us that he's got a, a, certain, a certain spot in his heart for widows and orphans, for the underprivileged, for people in distress. And the Bible tells us that God has a passion for unity for building up rather than tearing down. And see, even those three small things that the Bible tells us about God give us kind of an inside track on on what we should be hearing when the Holy Spirit is talking to us. So, For example, if you're in a social situation and you have this nudging or this want to to go and speak to someone about Jesus, there's a pretty good chance that, that that's the Holy Spirit working inside you to do that. It's not a natural thing, a natural human thing for us to want to go and speak to people about Jesus. If you're in a a social situation and you have a want to pop up to go and and speak to someone who's, who's marginalized, who's off on the fringes, who nobody else wants to associate with, there's a very good chance that that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you and at work in your life instructing you to do that. If you have a want to to go and speak to someone in a way that will build them up and encourage them. If you have a want to, to go and speak to, to someone that's going to build bridges between, maybe between denominations or churches. If you have a want to that tells you when you've got that thought in your mind to, uh, to say something not so nice about someone, and you have this want to that says, oh, maybe that's not the nicest thing to say about them. Maybe it's an, kind of inappropriate. There's a very good chance that those things are the Holy Spirit working in you and through you and nudging you to, to obey Him and to follow Him. And there's a very good chance that in those things the Holy Spirit's working in you. So we can start with some of the things that we know about God that begin to train us to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit working within us. But you know what? What if you're wrong in all of those things? What if it wasn't actually the Holy Spirit saying, go and speak to that person about Jesus, and you actually go and do it? What's the worst thing that could possibly happen? That person's going to know about Jesus. And you know what that tells me? It tells me that probably your mind and your heart are being transformed by the Holy Spirit so regularly and becoming so conformed to Him that the Holy Spirit doesn't always have to nudge you, that you're becoming more like-minded like Christ. And that's a pretty amazing thing. What if 
It wasn't the Holy Spirit that nudged you to go and, and hang out with that marginalized person, that person on the fringes that, that you might have been able to encourage or, or build up. Would it be a horrible thing if it wasn't the Holy Spirit? I would say no. I'd say again, your mind and your will and your desires are probably then becoming so transformed to, how Christ, to, to be Christ-like that it becomes a natural extension of who you are. And that's a pretty amazing thing. What if it wasn't the Holy Spirit nudging you and saying, go and, uh, and, and encourage that person or don't say that thing about that person? Again, if that's the case, then your mind and your heart and your will are becoming transformed by the Holy Spirit to a point where your mind and your heart and your will are in line with what Jesus wants you to do and who he wants you to become. And that is pretty amazing. That's pretty great news. And that in itself is an indication that the Holy Spirit is at work in you. And so we, and so we start, uh, when we start to know more about God, when we start to know about the things that he desires and the people that he desires to want to know, and the way that he wants us to be working through his word, and then we start to hear him nudging us in those directions, then we're training ourselves, we're beginning to train ourselves to listen to the Spirit at work in our lives. And for some of us, that might mean different things. It might mean, you know, in order to be able to begin to train ourselves, you know, we might have to put a a little stone in our pocket, and every time we reach into our pocket and we feel that stone, we remember that verse that says, if we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out and praise him. And that will remind us to send up a little praise to God for the things that he's created and how he's at work in our lives. For some of us, it might mean putting up little uh, sticky notes around our office or around our home or in our car or wherever it is that we spend a great deal of time to remind us to constantly be thinking about God and and to be listening for the Holy Spirit and to be sending up uh, little prayers to him. Um, It could be just a simple little one breath prayer. We inhale and we exhale. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day that you've created. Might be in a tough situation where you know, we, we inhale and we exhale. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I, and I ask that you help, help the Holy Spirit to get me through this situation. And as we start to do that with more regularity, we'll begin to be more in communication with the Spirit. No longer will the Spirit be like uh, when our, our grandma moves into our house and, you know, we give her the room in the basement and she comes up for meals and she gets her meal and we pray with her and then she goes and takes her meal and eats it back down in her room in the basement. Sometimes I think that's how we, uh, we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives and then we, we put the Holy Spirit in the basement and we invite him up when we pray for our meals and then we get into our meals and, and you know, we get into the regular things of the day and sometimes we forget about the Holy Spirit. But Holy Spirit wants to be invited into every room of our lives. Holy Spirit wants to be invited into everything that we do. When we're going to a party, it's not like, oh, the Holy Spirit's coming along. Hmm, what's he going to convict me of this time? Maybe I won't have that third beer. No, that's not, that's, you know what, I'm not really sure that's what the Holy Spirit is really all that concerned about. He's more concerned about how we're interacting with him, how we're interacting with other people. I'm not saying that you should go and have that third beer, but I'm just saying... His concern is about the transformation of our lives, and his concern is about how we're listening to him and responding to him. Um, so just as a, as, as a close, I, I'd like you to stand with me. Oftentimes, uh, at the end of the service, we pray and pray for you, and I, I'd like to do that. But before I do that, I'd like you to take the opportunity to, to silently, for a few seconds, acknowledge 
the Holy Spirit within you. I'd like you to acknowledge the nearness of the Holy Spirit and His transformative power. And I want you to listen for a few, for a few seconds about how the Holy Spirit would have you to respond this morning. And then I'm going to pray the prayer of the Apostle Paul to close. I always remember you in my prayers, asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Lord, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can know you better. I pray also that you'll have greater understanding in your heart so you'll know the hope that he's called you to and that you'll know how rich and glorious are the blessings God has promised his people. And you'll also know that God's power is very great and at work within us because we believe. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.